don't beat yourself up by saying, oh, I should have seen it. It's like, you know what? It's okay. You saw it now. So act now. Often we do have to do hard things. It's okay. Like we do have to push through our fears and do hard things, but not everything has to be hard. I'm Clint Hoops, and this is the Unrivaled Man Podcast. The Unrivaled Man is where we help businessmen like you be the unrivaled leader in their work and home. We're revealing the perspective you've been missing to upgrade your identity and become better husbands, fathers, family men, and business owners. Let's get started. Welcome to the Unrivaled Man Podcast. I have a fantastic interview for you today. Today, I actually interviewed a man by the name of Jake Carlson. Now, Jake Carlson, he has a podcast of his own called Modern Leadership. Amazing podcast. And he has done so many other things. And I have the interview with him queued up. But really, what I would like to do is first is tell you a little bit about him And then we'll jump right into the interview with Jake. So Jake Carlson, he is a business leader, an inspirational speaker, and a nine-to-five dropout. After 11 years as a tax attorney, he chose different. Taking his three kids out of school for the adventure of a lifetime, the family spent a year living in 12 countries from Bagan, Myanmar, to Paris, France, overcoming robbery, red-eye flights, and all while learning to love the rich cultures of the world. Jake is on a mission to help elite achievers become leaders by mastering the CIA of influence, conviction, irresistibility, and accountability. You are going to love this interview with Jake. So without further ado, let's jump right in and meet Jake Carlson. All right, Jake, welcome to the Unrivaled Man podcast. Hey, it's good to be here with you, Clint. How are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm having a great day. So excited to have you on. Jake and I have known each other for a few months now. We got introduced and and it has been uh, it's been fun getting to know you and and listening to your podcast as well actually. So, so happy you'd come on to the show. Yeah, it was great to have you as a guest on the podcast. The episodes out, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of people saying good things about what's going on over there with Clint and all your businesses. I love it. Well, thank you. As after our conversation, I just once again, so many of the things that Jake talks about, that you talk about, just align so well with the message that we have here, Unrivaled Man. And so, really, before we get too deep into this, I would love for my listeners to just get a little bit, know a little bit more about you. So please tell us a little bit more about your story and and what got you here. That's a loaded question because you put a quarter <laughs> in me. You never know what you're gonna get out. That's right. We can skip the first five or so years of life if you want and and start a little later. I'm a storyteller and I love to tell stories. And I think life is an adventure and it's just meant to be out and lived. And I go back a number of years, maybe not all the way back to age one, two through five, but age eight. I remember my dad was a huge Zig Ziglar fan, you know, the motivational, positive mental attitude guy. He'd stick those cassettes in the car, you know, this is back in the cassette days, and we would just sit there and listen to Zig and his stories. 
Okay, Automobile University, right? I had to stop you there, right? Because is that what he says, Zig Ziglar? It's exactly right. Yeah, you're taking me all the way back to uh, all those Automobile University, that education I was getting as we drove all around town. But that just really started a passion for me to really be self-development, personal development, really focus on you know how I can be a better person, better individual, better father, better business owner, better leader, whatever it may be, really started with that very first step of, hey, what's Zig going to tell me what to do today? Yeah, he's amazing. You know, Zig Ziglar, I mean, so many of the timeless principles that we can learn from from what he teaches. I got to tell you a quick story. So I was probably around 12 years old. This was back in, ooh, dating myself a little, the 80s, late 80s. And Zig Ziglar came to my hometown and my dad, you know, was in the newspaper. My dad's reading the newspaper. He says, oh, Zig's coming to town. I said, we got to go. And this was back in the 80s, mind you, $175 a ticket back then. My dad says, you know, Jake, if you want to go, I'll go with you, but I'm only buying my ticket. You got to buy your own. And I remember going door to door selling greeting cards, trying to get up enough money so that I could go see my hero at the time, Zig Ziglar, live and in performance. And I remember we got in there. We got there early. We got in on the third row and I'm holding my see you at the top book and waiting for him to stop speaking so I could run to the stage, get the guy's autograph. And, you know, I'll never forget that. That was a number of years ago. But, uh, you know, just really having a passion about things and focusing in and going after him. It was just a great experience. I love what your dad taught you. He was living what Zig would have had you do, so to speak, having you go and get it. Yeah. Would I have remembered that experience if he paid for it? I don't know, maybe, but it was, the story is more impactful because I had to pay for myself. I love that. So you have kids of your own, right? Yeah. Three kids, you know, I'm raising two teenage daughters and an 11 year old son. If those of you watching on video, you could tell I have no more hair. I started <laughs> out, I had two teenage daughters. That's what happens. Exactly. You have no more hair and mine's all going gray. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. Yeah. We're, we're right at that same thing. Yeah. Same story. That's so good. Have you continued that? I mean, have you listened to Zig Ziglar with your kids or have you had other things that you helped to teach them and influence them? What, what types of things have you done with your own kids? You know, I think it's kind of interesting when you, you look at experiences of other people, you hear stories or you go on Facebook or you listen to podcasts and you hear all these great things that parents are doing with and for their kids. And then when you ask yourself, what am I doing? Well, that's when you start seeing this imposter syndrome come in and you start saying, boy, there's a lot of things I know and a lot of things that I'd love to teach them. A lot of things I know I should be doing with them, but I should be doing more. I look at it. My kids don't like Zig Ziglar. They think his his voice is kind of funny. He they don't relate to the stories very well, and uh, so we haven't really gotten into Zig Ziglar. We have gotten into some of these other speakers out there. One of our favorites, Hank Smith, is just a great storyteller, and we love jumping into his kind of stuff. He's an amazing guy. Oh yeah, he's just fantastic. Yeah, we got more into that, but I always wish I could do more. You know, I sit down at the end of the day. I think a lot of us high achievers, those who work hard, leaders. We sit down at the end of the day and we ask ourselves, hey, how was our day? I did this good. I did this good. Hey, I could probably do this a little bit better. Hey, I need to adjust this or set my sights a little bit higher. And I think that's part of the great thing about having a day that ends with a night, a breakup between the day that you had today and the day you're going to have tomorrow, because it gives you an opportunity to 
decompress and think through what you could have done differently. And I think, you know, a lot of us go through this as parents. We go, I want to do this better. But for those of you who are thinking that, just remember that thought, that mental state of I want to do better, I want to do more, that right there distinguishes you from 99.9% of the other people out there that are not having these thoughts. They're droning on about what's on TV. And what we're doing is how can we be better? And I'm a big fan of Darren Hardy. Darren Hardy, a number of years ago, wrote this book called The Compound Effect. And the point of the compound effect is small incremental actions taken consistently over time yield massive results. So what are these small steps that I'm taking as a parent? You ask the question, you know, am I doing what my dad did? I always look up to my dad and say, I'll never match as a parent, as a father, as a leader, what my dad has done. I'm sure he would say differently, but I would never rise to that level but I'm trying to take those small incremental actions consistently over time, every day, a little bit, a little bit more to yield massive results. And I hope eventually time will tell if I did. Well, the thing I love is that, for instance, this podcast, right, is called Unrivaled Man. And the reason it's called Unrivaled Man is for us to have less of the comparison, right, and competition, so to speak, between us and other men. And sometimes That is us trying to live up to some ideal, right, of someone else that we know or someone else in our lives. Once again, the most exciting part is is to remember, which I love that you're doing it different, is that it's okay that you're doing it different. It doesn't take away from what your father did for you. He was doing the best for you and the best that he knew how, and you're doing the same for your people in your life, for your family, which actually brings me to a thought that I had in some of the things that I've heard you teach before is, you talk about how to choose different. What does that mean when you say how to choose different? So I've spent a lot of time traveling in my life. I hate being stuck in one place. I love to go and see different things. And one of the things I did a lot when I was younger, I wish I could do more now, but I don't, is I used to ride motorcycles and I'd go out in the dirt and ride motorcycles. And there's this thing called a rut where other motorcycles have already driven down this trail or because it was muddy or wet, And it carves out this kind of groove in the road. And you want to stay out of those ruts because once you get yourself in the rut, it's hard to get out. It's dangerous. There was a time that I was motorcycling through the Philippines and I got stuck in a rut. It was about a foot deep rut, maybe three quarters of a foot. And I tried to pop the wheel out, tried to get out and the handlebar turned, but the wheel stayed straight. We laid it down. Ended up in the hospital getting stitches in the backyard of some retired doctor chewing on a stick. I mean, classic, classic story. But I think about that with just life in general, these ruts. And when we talk about choosing different, it's so easy for us to slide into those ruts, to go down the path that everybody before us has gone down, particularly when it comes to We grow up and our parents have great ambition for us. They want us to go to high school and then they want us to get good grades and then they want us to apply for college and then go to college and go be a doctor or a lawyer or something that in their eyes is a worthy or successful career. And I think what choosing different is all about is about working hard, being passionate, but it's not about following what the expectations of others are for you. It's about setting your own expectations, staying out of that rut, going through the trees or going down the bank or whatever it may be and enjoying that life. You heard in the intro, 
one of the things that we did, I came out of law school a number of years ago, back in 2005. I graduated with a joint MBA JD, came out, went into to work and worked always. <laughs> yeah. Those are two degrees that have a lot of work attached to them to get them. And then after even more. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I had, glutton for punishment. I I don't know what I was thinking, but my first job out of school, I traveled all the time and I would go to the airport Monday mornings, 5 a.m. every single week, Monday morning, 5 a.m. And then I would come home Friday night around 10 p.m. I'd come in on the flight and I'd come home and I'd spend the weekend with my wife. And at the time I had two kids and I remember my oldest daughter, she was about five, six years old. And she said, uh, Oh yeah, that's my weekend daddy. And I was like, who's the weekday daddy? No, I was concerned that my kids just saw me as this guy who showed up on the weekends. So what we did is we decided to choose different. We needed some time as a family to grow together, to bond and to really experience some stuff together. So we sold everything. I mean, these are the types of stories you may hear on like Instagram or Facebook, but it was a reality for us. We sold everything, sold the TV sold the car, sold the beds, sold the sheets, sold the dishes, sold everything. All we kept was five carry-on suitcases. I have three kids, my wife and I, so five carry-on suitcases and five backpacks. And we decided we're just going to go on the adventure of a lifetime. We're going to spend 12 months and we don't even have a plan. We don't even know where we're going to go. We know we're going to start in the Philippines and we're going to go for a year and figure it out. And that is where the journey of choosing different really began. Oh my goodness. That is an amazing, amazing experience. We'll hear stories like yours, right? Like there is somebody right now, I guarantee it, listening, and they are saying, well, okay, great story. These are the stories we hear, but real people don't do this kind of stuff, right? Real people don't make those kind of crazy decisions. They stay in, to use your terminology with the rut, they kind of stay the same way that everybody else has always done and keep doing it because that's a little more little more sure, it seems. So I like this. I like this philosophy of, of choosing different. Well, and I often get the question, hey, Jake, yeah, I mean, that worked for you because you were a millionaire. The truth is we were not. We were average Joes. We were renting our house at the time. We didn't even own a home. We were paying off our car. I mean, we had student loan debt. I mean, it wasn't that we were wealthy individuals, what we did is we just made a plan and we made it work. And I'll tell you, there were many a moment where we were wondering how our next uh, paycheck was going to come in. I was working on the road remotely with my podcast and some of the coaching that that I do. And so, I mean, we had a little bit of income and that kind of thing. We had it all planned out, but it wasn't this, hey, let's go spend a year and sit on the beach. It was work, but it was also a lesson teaching our kids that, hey, when you're 39, 40 years old, you're not stuck in what you're doing. You can retire, quasi-retire, if you will, or you can choose a new occupation or a new direction. You can start a business. And guess what? If you fail, you go 12 months, you restart, you reset, you re-opportunity. We came back and the biggest lesson that we learned, I came back, we hadn't had the financially successful year that we thought we would have. And so I had to come back and find a job. I had to find work for another employer, someone who would give me a W-2. And uh, it was humbling in a way, but it also taught me, you know what? You always have the opportunity to reset, restart over, 
here we are again, fast forward now to today, that's five years into the future. I own my own business. I am my own boss. It changes as we go. But you know what? You're not stuck. Opportunity continuously cycles in your life. Gosh, I love what you said. Thank you for sharing that at the end of that, you had to go back and reevaluate, get another job for a while, do something a little different. I, I appreciate you sharing that because I believe that sometimes when we hear stories like this, people will leave out some of those parts that are important to realize that, you know what I mean? Some of those stumbling blocks, some of those pieces that it's okay to take a couple step forward, take a step back in your focus and trying to be different because it sounds like from where you're at today, you kept your eye on the prize, so to speak, where you were trying to go. And so you still got there. It's just the route was just a little different, but you were going for different, right? <laughs> I mean, that was kind of the plan. I look at it and I go, with your kids, you only really have 18 summers or 18 years, right? I mean, once they turn 18, I look back on my life and I, I hope my kids spend more time with me than I do with my dad. Not because I don't love my dad and mom. They're great people. I love them. I want to spend time with them, but we're busy. We got our own lives. I hope my kids spend more time with me, but the reality is we got 18 years and then they go off to college. They start their own families. They do their own thing. Maybe it's 20 years, maybe it's 21, but it's such a finite, short amount of time. We have our whole lives to make money. We have our whole lives to build businesses, but we only have a few short years to have that impact and influence and that just experience with your kids. And so for me, choosing different is all about what we call family before fortune. That was the original name of my podcast, by the way, family before fortune, building the life of your dreams with the people you love. You don't have to sacrifice those you love to build the life of your dreams. Build it with them. I love that. Build it with them. Because really, for me, what I want in life, what I do is all for my family, right? We often say that. It's all for our family. So let's do it with our family. I like where you're going with that. Because even with the hard times and the good times, all of it is what brings us closer together. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Every child is different and every family is different and every year is a new adventure. Every experience is a new opportunity. It's just so fun. I, I'm thinking back to some of the experiences we had when we were traveling and you know, my wife hated that I rented an $8 hotel when we were in Myanmar. <laughs> we were in Myanmar. I rented an $8 hotel and guess what? For $8 in Myanmar, you get what you pay for. It's about like $8 in the US, <laughs> maybe a little bit nicer. But you know, the sink wasn't even connected to the wall. It didn't even have a pipe that went into the wall. You turned on the faucet and the water, thankfully we had running water, but the water flowed directly into the basin and then out onto the floor. So you had to kind of stand back when you're washing your hands because your feet are getting wet. These are experiences that we will talk about forever. We're going to share with all our friends. We're going to share with our grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids maybe. And that's the stories that happen when you go out and just find adventure. Adventure awaits around every corner if you're willing to give it a go. I had on the podcast a few weeks ago, I had Dr. Benjamin Hardy. No relation to Darren Hardy, who you referenced, but Dr. Benjamin Hardy, he is an organizational psychologist. And he wrote a book called Be Your Future Self Now. And so it really makes me think of your, what you're talking about being different and choosing different. 
is really kind of the philosophy he's saying. It's determine who you want to be and then choose now to be different and do something different. But one of the things he talked about that I really love that goes with what you're saying is he said, have peak experiences in your life and with your kids. And I love that term peak experiences because it's there, there are these highlights in our life, these little peaks, these little blips that give you something to remember, something to hold on to. I love that philosophy and it really rang true with what you were saying because some people listening might be thinking, oh man, well, I don't want to go to Myanmar. I don't want to go to the Philippines. I don't want to go wherever. I mean, it sounds fun, but I don't know. I'm good with staying here. Will that, what will that do for my kids? But I'm telling you, going on a small little camping trip with your kids, going and doing that fun thing on that little hike or out, outside or go do some little peak experience, something a little different, will just stick out as a little blip, as a wonderful time in our family's lives. And they don't have to be crazy grand every time to be impactful. Couldn't agree with you more. Let me tell you just a, just a real fun story exactly on that same topic. So last week we were moving. We actually moved houses last week and my wife sent me to Walmart to pick up a roll of tape to tape the boxes shut. So I'm driving down the street and I pull into the Walmart parking lot and I'm frustrated as you can't believe. I hate parking lots. I'm the guy who parks way out in the back 40 because I can go there, I can get my spot, and then I'm okay walking. I just don't like driving. But I pull into this parking lot, and there are people everywhere. I mean, people crossing in front of the car, behind the car, their car's parking, honking, cars are rolling really slow. And I'm like, it's just firing me up. I'm so upset. And then I glance over and realize why there's so much traffic. Because the whole parking lot is filled with the Hot Wheels 2022 tour. And they have probably a hundred classic cars, you know, old cars, new cars, big wheel cars, monster trucks, all parked in in Walmart's parking lot. And so everyone was trying to find a parking spot. Everyone was walking across, you know, to see these cars. And I thought to myself, you know, my 11 year old son loves cars. By the way, I don't, cars aren't for me. I don't really care. I mean, I get A to B, but I don't really care. But my son loves cars cars. He loves Lamborghinis and Ferraris. He loves Corvettes. And he talks about them all the time. The Tesla. Oh, he loves the Tesla. So I call my wife and I say, look, I know we're in the middle of moving, like literally in the middle of moving. You sent me to Walmart to get a roll of tape, but I got to come pick up Tage. Tage is my 11 year old. I got to come pick him up. We need a couple hours because we're going back to Walmart. He needs to see these cars. And the very first car we saw as we walked, so we, we went And we did park way out in the back 40 and walked all the way in. And we got to the very first car and it was this giant red wagon car built to look like a red wagon. And I go, what an experience, what a genuine unplanned experience that he will talk about forever that happens just because we're looking for different. We're looking for adventure. By the way, my wife's okay. We ended up getting everything packed and the boxes taped. I bought an extra roll of tape. We got moved, but uh, sometimes you just got to pause what you're doing and take those opportunities. Cost me nothing, by the way. See, we talk about wise investments, right, with our money, but we also talk about it in terms of time and spending our time. And what I love about choosing different is choosing to spend your time differently. And when you do it with your family, you're choosing, hey, we're going to do this. And I, I love that that you can recognize an opportunity for an experience that would make a difference in your child. Your child there, Tage, is that his name? Yeah. 
Tage, I mean, he is going to remember this as a peak experience in his life, but he's also going to remember that his dad dropped everything to come and do that for him. And that's a cool thing. And let's coin this phrase. You and I are going to coin the phrase roadie, R-O-I-T-I, the return on invested time. And that's what we need to really look at. We could talk about ROI, which is the return on investment. But what we really want to talk about is return on invested time with our families. So we're going to call it roadie for right now. That's what we need to really emphasize, I think, in our lives is where our time is being invested. And that's not just you and I, Clint, we've been talking about families. You and I are passionate about families and and what we do with our kids and so forth. But this is true with our businesses, right? I mean, even in the workplace, return on invested time is so vitally important when it comes to maximizing happiness, productivity, efficiency, revenue, all of those all depend on our invested time because money is infinite. We can go out and find more money, but time is finite. Very well said. You know, it makes me think about from a leadership standpoint, many people listening are business leaders, business owners. And I know that often we are firefighters, right? <laughs> We're uh, The fire comes up, we spend our time there. It's the whole urgent versus important side of things that we talk about. Sometimes we spend our time on the things that are very urgent right now, but may not be as important as some other things we could do. And so when we're talking about investing our time, I really do like that. I think about as a leader, how do we do that? So for instance, you know, I, I know one of the other things that you talk about that I, that I really love is you talk about leadership superpowers. I do have a question for you, actually. You have a leadership superpower assessment on your website that I love. We're going to put links to this stuff. And your assessment says that I'm an accountable leader. So one that likes deadlines, goal setting, perfecting the process, clarity, discipline, focus, totally pegged me. It really did. So thank you for that tool. So we'll put a, we'll make sure we have a link for people. But this is the question I have for you on leadership superpowers that I just thought of. As we're talking about this return on invested time, sometimes we try really hard on improving our weaknesses. And sometimes we work on really focusing to hone our strengths. In terms of investing our time, what do you think? What's your thought? What kind of balance do we have or should we have, in your opinion, in investing our time on improving our weaknesses or focusing on our strengths? Any thoughts around that? Yeah. So the balance is not 50-50 and it's not 100-0, right? There's some ratio that works for you. Here's the thing. I mean, when you have weaknesses, there's a certain level that you need to get to of competency. If you're going to be a public speaker and you have a challenge speaking, you need to get to a minimum level of public speaking ability in order for you to progress and develop. I mean, weakness in an area that needs to be adjusted, adapted, you need to work hard to reach a minimum level of competency. In that regard, you have to spend some time on your weaknesses. You can't just put your weaknesses to the side and move only to your strengths. With that being said, I think you get more ROIT on working on your strengths, taking your strength to the next level. And the reason for that is we have so many generalists out there. We have so many people that are mediocre good at a lot of different things. To stand out in today's world you really have to stand out as being excellent, as excelling in something. You have to differentiate yourself. And if you're just improving your weaknesses, 
all you're doing is getting better at being average. But if you're focused on your strengths, really honing those strengths, then that's where you're standing out. You look at these athletes that go out there. It's football season right now. We spent all Saturday, all Sunday watching football. I don't know about you, Clint. I spent all Saturday and most of my Sundays watching football. And these are really elite athletes, really strong athletes. Well, Saturday is college day and Sunday is pro day. And there's a big difference between the college games on Saturday and the pro games on Sunday. See, college athletes do a lot of things. They do a lot of things well, and they work on a lot of things. But when they move to the NFL, they are really focusing on one key strength. And I was reading this article about the quarterback of uh, Carolina Panthers. Tua, he went to Hawaii, had some injuries. Anyway, he's a great quarterback. I can't remember his, even his first name and, and his last name is really long, but they just call him Tua. But here was what the article said. Tua is really great at scrambling. He's really great at throwing. He's very accurate. He's very smart, but he doesn't excel in any one of those things. He's very good at all of them. And that's why he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. But this article is predicting that he will be replaced by a backup by the end of this season. Because while he's good at a lot of things, he's not great at any one thing. Now you look at some of the other quarterbacks out there. You look at Tom Brady. You look at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was classic with the seven to nine yard throw. Nobody was more accurate, more quick release, more direct in their seven to nine yard throw. Now he wasn't airing it out. That wasn't who he was. And so I think, you know, a long answer to your short question Focusing on our weaknesses to get them to a minimum level of competency is important, but focusing on our strengths to excel, to differentiate, to specify, I think is where you're going to get the best ROIT. I love it. Well, continuing with our analogy that we've created here, it's all about opportunity cost, right? So we talk about opportunity cost and I think, okay, time invested in a weakness versus time invested in the strength. There is a certain opportunity cost. Because the time you spend on the weakness is time you're not spending on your strength. But I love kind of the way you're saying we got to get our, our weaknesses to a minimum level. You know, it makes me think about there's kind of like that minimum level of proficiency. Like I think about myself. I have a daughter recently, my uh, nine-year-old. She has wanted to learn to play chess. And I used to play chess a little bit back in the day, but I haven't played in many years. So I've had to like kind of relearn again how to play chess. And it's all coming back to me now. Like, okay, I got this. You know, And it's funny because... I realize in chess, I've kind of gotten to this minimal level of proficiency. I've gotten just enough that I can play. I understand how the pieces move, but I realize to go any deeper, I can't just spend a few hours and go much deeper than I am now. I have to invest significant time to go much deeper, but I learned enough that I can play a casual game and understand different things that way. I think of the same thing with some of these leadership weaknesses we have. We have to learn to control and to command some of those weaknesses. But there is that point where a little effort will get us so far, and then it's going to take significant effort to go deep. And so let's go deep on some of our strengths and have it be our superpower. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you talk about that. Um, those watching on the video, I'll show my paper right here. There's a, it says top achievers, and then there's kind of a stair step going to the top. And before we got on this podcast, I was kind of taking down some notes and thinking about some of the things I want to talk about. And one of the thoughts that I had was exactly what you just said. 
as achievers, sometimes we grow, we build, we step up to the next level, and then we find ourselves comfortable in that level. And at that level, we have to make a decision. Are we going to maintain plateau? Are we going to go at that level? Or are we going to step up to a higher level or fall back? And elite achievers are always stepping up to the next level. Now, it's interesting as leaders in work and with employees, sometimes what we do is we promote people to their lowest level of competency. You know, we take someone who is amazing at sales and we make them a sales manager. Well, being a sales person and being a sales manager are two different skill sets, two different jobs, two different mindsets. But we promote good people to these minimum level of competencies because we feel like that's what we need to do. We need to get them to the next level. Now, we as elite achievers, we're always focused on the next level. We're always trying to level up one more step and and try to do more. But remember, our teams, sometimes they're not ready for that step. And we need to look at where they're at, where they're traveling, the direction that they're going, and really find that sweet spot for them as opposed to just always pushing people to follow the path that we expect them to follow or even need them to follow. Yeah, it makes me think of of the term. I don't remember who, I'm sure it comes from multiple places, but I've, I can't remember where I first heard it, but the philosophy of your highest and best use, right? So taking any resource, but in this case, a person, and putting it to its highest and best use. And sometimes the highest and best use isn't always higher on a hierarchy. And that's kind of what I like what you said. Sometimes someone's highest and best use may to be where they're at, but maybe they can enhance their role and go deeper in that role in a place where they're very competent instead of being promoted beyond that. And that's all about knowing your people, right? Understanding your people. If you're thinking of your people as just cogs in your operation, then you're going to treat them that way. And you're going to naturally try to move them to positions that you need filled. Whereas if you get to know your people, if you understand their passions, their dreams, their desires, you'll see where their strengths and where their weaknesses are. And then you'll be able to, as you talk about, use them in their highest and best use, which by the way, when people are operating in their zone of genius or in their highest and best use, flow happens, they get excited, they move in the right direction and they improve. Yeah. And the momentum takes over at that point. Oh man, this is good stuff. So many great things here. What else is getting you excited right now in your business or life? What are things that are going on that are just getting you excited? You know, I think as a community, as a United States, and I I know you probably have listeners all over the world. I only talk really the US because that's the economy that I understand, but we're really heading in an interesting direction, right? We came out of this whole COVID thing where businesses were shut down, where employees were spending time at home. You know, we have work from home opportunities. Now, as we emerge from this, we're really heading in a unique direction in that it's not defined. We're kind of filling our way. Are we going to stay work from home? Are we going to have a hybrid model? Am I going to continue to climb the corporate ladder? Am I going to start my own business? Am I going to be a YouTube star or play video games my whole life? You know, we're really in a unique position where we can really define the direction that we go. And so when you ask what's exciting me right now, I think we're in a time where those who really want to get after it, those who are really excited, have a dream, have a passion, are willing to work hard, are willing to sacrifice, make commitments and live up to their commitments, have integrity in their 
dealings with their fellow men. I feel that we're moving into a period where those people are going to excel. Opportunity abounds for people who are willing to work hard, to think outside the box, to do things a little bit differently. Opportunity abounds. At the same time, those who aren't willing to work hard, aren't willing to think, push, set goals, do the hard things, make commitments, sacrifice, those who aren't willing to do that, it's going to be a tough road. And uh, opportunity is not going to be open for there. And what's going to happen here is we're going to see a shift, a splitting between those who work hard and those who don't work hard politically or socially or whatever, we're going to have to deal with those consequences because there are going to be consequences of that. We're going to have to deal with that. But what excites me is there's never been more opportunity for someone who's passionate, excited, and willing to work hard than there is right now. I was listening to an NPR podcast just a couple of weeks ago talking about CPAs, certified public accountants. And even the big four are struggling hiring right now because more accountants are retiring, more CPAs are retiring every day than are going into the field. And that trend is not going to change in the next 10, 20 years. There's going to be need to be a seismic shift in education, in the planning and the process for that to change. So if you're passionate about numbers, God bless you. If you're passionate about numbers, there's never going to be a bigger, better opportunity for you to jump in, make a difference, climb the ladder, start your own business, work hard than there is right now. And that's what's exciting me. You look on the news and there's all this talk about recession this or that or political this or that and all these different things happening. And I love what you're saying because the reality is the opportunities may shift, Right. And so sometimes the news will focus on places where opportunities are disappearing or changing. But the opportunity, like you said, has never been better for us to take advantage of new things, whatever that is for us. When I was a young uh, person, we went on a, a Boy Scout trip and we were down in southern Utah, down in your area, uh, just a little bit to the east on the Green River. And there's places on the Green River where they have these kind of eddies where the water kind of flows around a corner, but it kind of flows backwards. And if you get caught in it, you got your paddle and you got the whole team, you know, the whole Boy Scout troop paddling their guts out to get out of this or kind of stuck in this water that's flowing backwards. At other times, you're in the rapids where no matter what you do, you're going down. I mean, you're going forward, you're moving <laughs> forward. And I think our goal as leaders, our goal as parents, as fathers, as whoever we are, our goal needs to be to get into that flow, not into the rut, but get into the flow where we're using our potential, we're using our ability, we're using our skills to the highest potential, our highest and best use or our zone of genius. And then things are going to come easy for us. It's going to be opportunity. Too many times we find ourselves caught in those little eddies where we're paddling against the water and we're working so hard. Opportunities out there. It's the same river for all of us, but we got to get to the position in the river where the water's flowing forward, not flowing back. Yeah. You know, that's an important thing to remember because often we do have to do hard things. It's okay. Like we do have to push through our fears and do hard things, but not everything has to be hard. There are sometimes like I, one of my coaches that I've had in the past would ask me, are you pushing on the pole door? She'd say, are you pushing on the pole door? And she would say, 
Are you trying to swim upstream? Those are two things that occasionally she had some stories that she would share that are very, anyway, connect with those. So she would say those to bring up to my attention. It's like, you know what? Gosh, I totally am, <laughs> you know, because it's a place where I don't need to make it more difficult in this case, right? Sometimes the hard thing is necessary, but sometimes flowing with your strength, flowing with the opportunity is the right thing. And it doesn't always have to be hard. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And I love that analogy of pushing against the pole door. And how many times do we do that in real life? Like we walk up to a door and we're trying to get out and we're pushing on it. And then we slap our forehead and notice that there's a big sign that says pull. And then you pull it and it comes open so easily. And that moment of embarrassment or that moment of surprise where you go, oh, I should have noticed. I should have seen it. That thing happens in our lives in the, the metaphorical sense. And it's really that look for the clues, really look for the opportunity and don't push against that silly pole door. And one other thing that I want to point out is don't beat yourself up by saying, oh, I should have seen it. Should. It's like, you know what? It's okay. You saw it now. So act now. Because sometimes I think we get hung up when we're trying to choose something different. We get hung up and think, oh, man, I should have seen that. Am I really the one? Am I really capable of doing this? Am I going down the wrong path here trying to choose something different? It works for other people, but is it, is it really going to work for me? Yeah. And we talked about this earlier, right? This idea that every day is a reset. We have the night that we sleep it off and start a new day. Every week is a reset. Every Monday morning, we have a chance to start a new week. Every month is a reset. Every month we have the opportunity. Quarterly, a lot of times in business, we talk on quarterly goals and quarterly profits, 90-day goals, 90-day sprints. We have a chance to reset and redo it. Every year we celebrate with balloons and ball drops, a new chance to start. There's always opportunities. We as a people seem to celebrate this opportunity to pick ourselves up and to restart. So whatever happened today doesn't matter. It's what you do tomorrow that matters. Well said. Well, Jake, as we get to the end of the show here today, I, I would love for you to share your top action step for my listeners. We've talked about so many wonderful things today, but what's something that you think would make the biggest impact in their lives right now? You know, we spent all this time talking about being passionate and hardworking and going after things that I'm going to shake it up a little bit and say, my top action step for elite achievers right now comes from a book written by Ryan Holiday called Stillness is the Key. We live in such a busy time. You know, our cell phones buzzing. Some of us have multiple cell phones, texting, emailing, Facebook Messenger. We get calls coming in. We get emails. We get updates on social media. There's so many distractions. We get in the car. What do we do? We turn on an audio book. We can't listen to it on 1x, so we turn it up to 2x speed so we can get through more. We go home and we turn on the TV. We sit down, you know, we wait in line at, at Starbucks or at the grocery store or wherever we are and we're pulling out our phones because we're constantly being educated or we're constantly seeing what's going on or, or being informed. And to a certain level, that's okay and that's good. But what I want to focus on as a leadership trait and an action step for today is find some time to be still. One of the things that... <laughs> Clint, I got a puppy and we oh. were never going to get a puppy. We never were. My wife hates new house, know, new puppy, everything. This is, this is a big step. We had to get a new house because of this silly puppy. So we get this puppy. It's tiny. It's a little tiny guy, 
And now 15 weeks later, it's ginormous. And we had to get a house for the dog, the dog to have room to run around. But this dog has forced me every morning. My alarm goes off at five o'clock. I grumble and grouch. I get up. I put on my shoes. I put on my shirt. I walk out there and take that silly dog for a walk. And you know, the first few times I was listening to audiobooks, I was listening to podcasts. But recently, I've just been going out there with no digital devices and just walking around, enjoying the sounds of the birds chirping, the rabbits running around, the dog chasing the rabbits running around. Stillness gives us the opportunity for our mind to process all of the stimulus, all of the input that we get on a daily basis. And so my action step would be find time. I'm not a big meditator, but if you meditate, meditate. But I am a big walking your dog. So if you have a dog, walk your dog. But what I am huge on advocate for is finding time to process, strategize, to use the information you have. And that's where this stillness opportunity comes in. So action step, Clint, be still. I love it. Well, bringing it full circle, when you're talking about a return on investment of your time, stillness is a worthy investment. I believe it's a worthy investment. In my mind, it feels like it will amplify the other things that you do. And so be a multiplier of the rest of your time. So these are wise words. I love stillness. And that's choosing differently, right? I mean, we talk about choosing differently. The rut is to constantly be busy. Choosing different is to take some time. Don't feel guilty. Know that you're investing that time to really have it. I mean, you expect to return. I expect to return on that walk. Not just that my dog won't chew up everything in my house, hopefully, but also that I'm going to come up with ideas for my business that I can implement immediately. Very wise. I love it. Thank you. Well, Jake, where can people connect with you if they want to hear more? Yeah, definitely. Well, we make it really easy for your listeners. We set up a landing page that they can go to specific for just this podcast for your listeners, Clint. It's over at my website, jakeacarlson.com. And then it's slash UMP for Unrivaled Man Podcast. UMP, jakeacarlson.com slash UMP. And there they'll be able to connect with me, email, text, social media, but also that leadership assessment that you talked about. You're a, what did you say you were? You're an accountable leader. Accountable leader. I'm an adaptable leader. So you and I together do a lot of great things, but they can go over there and take that assessment for free and find out what leadership platform they lead from. I love it. Thank you. We'll put uh, links to this and everything else that we talked about in the show notes today. Jake, once again, thank you for being on the Unrivaled Man podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Clint, anything I can do for you, just let me know. Thank you so much. Now for all of you out there, it is your turn to be the Unrivaled Man in your life. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Unrivaled Man Podcast. I'm Clint Hoops, and if this show has impacted you, please share it with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts.